I think there are just so many influencers out there that would sell their granny for a fiver. And I'm sorry, I know that's quite a like, <laughs> that sounds like quite harsh, but it's so true. Hello and welcome to Beauty Island, the beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I'm your host, Melbourne-based beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. In each episode, I sit down with a guest to ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them that they take to a desert island, aka beauty island, that I'm sending them off to. Before you go all survivor on me, this doesn't necessarily mean practical products. Rather, it's the beauty products they've come across throughout their lives that carry significant stories or memories for them. Think the product that reminds them of their mum, the first beauty product that sparked that lifelong affair, or the perfume that instantly reminds them of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. Today, my guest is YouTuber Michelle Crossan. Since starting her beauty and lifestyle YouTube channel in 2013, Michelle has gained over 150,000 subscribers and more than 8 million video views. She is warm, kind, very funny, and extremely candid. We talk about growing up in Ireland and the sad circumstances that led to her starting her first beauty vlog, having Rihanna, yes, the Rihanna, do your makeup, her thoughts on influencers that sell out, and her bold statement about the waste of PR packages that paid off. Plus, her chosen products, including the Cult Estee Lauder Serum, that's really worth every single cent. I hope you enjoy. Michelle, welcome to Beauty Island. I'm so chuffed to have you on. I've been a follower and admirer for a long time, so it's so exciting to be sitting opposite you and getting to talk all things beauty. Thank you for having me. Can you remember your first beauty memory? My mum was always a real glamour woman, even when she was... um, raising four of us on her own she always was good at skincare and taking off her makeup and wearing lipstick lipstick was her thing so I think the first thing I really noticed was lipstick and I always wanted to play with lipstick it was just like my mum would always say a sentence um like you're not done until your lipstick is done or even when I started experimenting with makeup as a teen she'd be like but you need lipstick so lipstick was like the first thing I was like it's really important (laughs) Was she a red lipstick fan? Was there a particular colour or shade? It was definitely a like brown pink, you know, like that kind of, I was born in the late 80s. So yeah, it'd be like that early 90s kind of brown that I remember. And as you can probably tell from your accent, you are from Ireland. Yes, I am. Um, How, when did you, and we're in Australia now, (laughs) when did you move? What was your childhood like? So I grew up in Ireland, obviously, until I was, I grew up in Dublin until I was about eight and then we moved to the countryside with my sisters and my mom and I lived there till I was about 17 and then I left home and you know went to school and stuff like that and then I moved to London when I was 22 met a boy he was from New Zealand (laughs) and we ended up moving to Australia together about six years ago we're no longer together but this is home for me now I love it here yeah I first arrived in Melbourne I have a sister down there and I lived in Geelong for like a month um, with her. And then I spent some time in New Zealand visiting his family and traveling that, the whole country. And then we settled in like inland Queensland because he was working in the mines. So I was like seven hours inland in like whoop whoop, I think is the right, is the right word for it. Um, and then after about 
a year there we moved to Sydney so I've been in Sydney now four and a half years five years and I love it it's just the perfect combination of beach and city I love it and what did you want to be when you were growing up it's funny I don't really know I actually was asked this before and I kind of was just like a princess like I I was super girly when I was younger I'm actually much more of a tomboy these days even though I like makeup and stuff but when I was younger it was always like Barbies and princess and dress up so I guess I was always into like being super girly but I don't remember a specific career I think I wanted to be a singer like a pop star and I remember seeing Britney Spears baby one more time video and just being like this is and I was obsessed with Mariah Carey but I don't actually remember a specific like I want to be a teacher or I want to be a doctor when I was very small that kind of came later in life yeah maybe music was kind of something that I was always super passionate about I was a very daydreamy child so very like playing with Barbies and you know making dances up with my friends to the Spice Girls it was always very creative and very dreamy and very like out of the ordinary yeah is music something you still enjoy today Yeah, it is. I was only thinking about this yesterday. It's so funny. I was having a conversation about music with somebody that I met at a festival. Um, He's a producer. And I was just like, wow, I really haven't been as passionate about music the last, like, I don't know, five or six years as I used to be. I used to play the guitar and songwrite and it was a really big passion of mine. But I guess we all lose our hobbies sometimes. It's definitely something I need to get back into. I still own a guitar. I think it's bad to lose your passions. You need to keep them up at all ages. (laughs) Like you said, it's so easy when you're getting lost in work and and life. Those are the things they say that, you know, as adults, we kind of forget how to play and and be creative as a child. Even my housemate and I were talking about the other day how we wanted to take dance lessons. She used to be a ballerina and I used to do hip hop and Irish dancing and everything when I was younger. And it's like, why do we just stop doing those things? They're so fun. And there's actually so much in Sydney, whether it's salsa or whether it's you know even hip-hop classes for adults like there's no reason not to do that instead of a gym session every now and then and speaking of your teenage years if you had to pick one product that kind of defined them black coal eyeliner you mentioned (laughs) tell me more about that oh my goodness I backstory (laughs) I spent at least two years in my teens thinking I was Avril Lavigne straight up I wanted to be her slash thought I was her for like so deeply in my heart and I was into the I've seen them all coming back now the elephant flares the jeans where they're like the super flared jeans we used to call them elephant flares in Ireland I don't know if that was the terminology here all of those really 90s outfits and then you'd have just all of the eyeliner and mascara I didn't even know what concealer was I there was no blush there was no dimension to the face it was like if you were wearing foundation it was a bit of pale foundation because there's no fake tan either (laughs) and I'm very pale it was just so much eyeliner and it would always be like smudging and yeah I remember it was like a Rimmel coal eyeliner was like the one to have and still now their eyeliners are actually very good I love Rimmel really pigmented yeah now people probably know you now more so for YouTube but you originally started with your blog which came before that I can't believe you know that (laughs) what prompted you to start the blog in the first place it was actually a really weird situation I had just moved to Australia and like I was telling you I moved to the countryside with um my boyfriend and I didn't really know anyone and I ended up getting really really sick I was hospitalized with a chronic illness and I was just I was in a new country I didn't know anyone and I'm used to working I've had a job since I was like 13 <laughs> and I'm so used to working and providing for myself and always having something to do some sort of project or full-time job and I was sick and lonely and bored and I found blogs and I just took it on as a hobby as something to do I've always loved makeup and beauty so I was like oh I've got some good recommendations and stuff so even just the process of putting together a blogger 
blog, you know, the blogger, the platform, I don't think anyone uses that anymore. It was really fun for me. And then I got a camera and just started taking pictures and it was all just super fun to do. And I felt like I had a purpose. Then it just kind of kept rolling and then turned into a job. So it was a very fluky accident, but I think everything happens for a reason. I always say that like, I'm really glad I got sick because it's, that was the start of my entire career for the last like six years. And so I think you started YouTube from my scrolling back to the start in about 2013. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think it was that long ago. Yeah, Do you so remember what your first video was? I do. It was a Kim Kardashian smoky eye using the Urban Decay Naked palette, the first one. <laughs> Could you get more generic? Like the Kim K tutorials were the first things to go like, you know, viral and stuff. And that Urban Decay palette was life. I literally picked like the, it's just such a first YouTuber video. <laughs> it encapsulates the time so perfectly. Yeah, but if you were around for the 2013 YouTube, that was where it was at, yeah. <laughs> and what was the YouTube scene like at that point, particularly given you've been, you've been doing it for five years, I imagine it has changed beyond recognition now. It's such a different world now. It's like a machine now. When I was doing it, I never did any of the blogging or YouTube for money. I didn't even think there was money to be made. It was just a creative project and a way to connect with other women and to make other women feel good and to help them spend their money wisely, I guess. And when I found YouTube, like I just couldn't believe all of the tips and tricks and everything that I was doing wrong. And it was more about just wanting to share that love of like, oh my God, you can look so good if you do your brows this way. Like kind of like girlfriends sitting around having a wine. And now it's, it's so saturated. It's this huge industry. But I think now it's more important than ever to maintain that girlfriend, big sister, auntie kind of feeling of just giving advice based on what you really love and maintaining that kind of that voice that resonates with women because it's so produced and so saturated and there's so much people in it for money now who actually start it as a career. So it's changed so much, but I think there's a lot of people who still have the 2013 morals and I think it's nice to see. The third product on your list is the product that you trust with your life, which is kind of a cult product from Estee Lauder. Can you yes. tell me about that? The Estee Lauder Advanced Night Repair Serum. Honestly, I I actually wrote about it on my blog. That's how long ago I discovered it. It was a written post and there was photographs of it and everything. And it was when they reformulated it. So I had never tried the original. I tried the second formulation, which is now people just know as the only formulation because it was about five years ago and I heard everyone raving about it and then when I was just like oh it's such an investment you know at the time I wasn't used to investing in skincare and I was like it's such an investment but I really think you know I want to amp up my skincare I was really geeking out on skincare that was one of the big things I started geeking out on at the start of my career and I bought it I spent the 110 dollars or whatever it was which at the time somebody who was sick and was still living off limited money was you know it was such an investment for me but I really trusted the reviews of the bloggers then. And I was like, no, I've, I've done my research. I'm making this investment and I've never looked back. It is such a good product. And it's actually so funny. They've, they've extended the range since into eye creams and other things. And I ended up actually working with them on a sponsored video. It was really fun to kind of, for that to go full circle. But the, the serum is just wonderful. I think it, I don't know one woman who's tried it that hasn't seen results. So basically it's just, a serum that you use before your moisturizer but I like to call it like for me serum is a big thing I like to call it the if you're having a cocktail and they don't put in the shot you know it's like 
it's just a nice mocktail but this is like the shot in your skincare it's what amps it up it's what makes your skincare drink (laughs) and when you use it and when you don't use it you see such a difference in texture tone smoothness in your skin I just find a lot of my dark spots are diminished and I'm finding like overnight it's not even something that you see it's one of the only skincare products I've ever tried that is overnight a lot of them take a week or four weeks or six weeks this is something that you use it and you go I used that last night I can see the difference so I just couldn't rave about it enough I yeah it's unicorn tears <laughs> you need it <laughs> I love that because I'm quite impatient when it comes to my skincare so yes. I love products that even in a day or two you can even yes. if it's just a small difference you can see that it's working absolutely and I think you can make so many claims about skincare these days Again, back when I started, there wasn't actually such a saturated range of what you could buy. Nowadays, it's just you don't even know what to pick. I think that brand loyalty of the old school brands that have been around for years isn't there. But for me, there's so much gimmicky stuff out there that is... One of my friends, Karima, you might know her, she refers to it as skin entertainment. <laughs> and it's where something is fun to use, whether it's like a purple moisturizer or whether it's like a glittery mask. But what's it actually doing? Are we being... Um, you know, is the world being pulled over our eyes by how fun it is? But actually, it's like you just want to get back to basics, something that works quickly and you're spending your money wisely. Absolutely. I love that term, skin entertainment. Skin entertainment. Yeah, it's fun, huh? You did raise it before about the um, the idea of sponsored content. And I think you actually addressed it on your Instagram story in a Q&A yesterday. I did, yes. Um, and I think it, it's interesting because we do see, particularly with influencer culture as it is now, there is sometimes a tendency for audiences to think because it's sponsored, it's not genuine. And you were quite impassioned on this Instagram story talking about how important it is to you, the trust of your followers, and that you just wouldn't work with someone. You wouldn't, you just wouldn't recommend anything that you didn't genuinely believe in. So I think, is that something that you think about? Because obviously you are approached a lot by brands to work with. How, how, does, how, do, you, how do you think about that? It's weird because it's it's something that I've always had a really strong opinion on and I've always tried to look at it as I'm selling to the sick me in bed who doesn't have that $100 to spend on an Estee Lauder serum. So if I do, I really don't want to be disappointed. I'm selling to my student sister who really doesn't have extra money to throw around so if she needs a foundation that needs to be her only foundation in her repertoire for the next six months and I've gone through financial struggle in life you know I don't come from a really wealthy background and I think it's just always been ingrained in me to do the right thing and I think the stuff that I've ever recommended has always worked for me and has always been something that I resonate with and if it doesn't work for someone else sometimes people might think oh then it's a bad product or something but actually I think so many things are subjective to opinion so it's a really hard kind of balance to find I think there are just so many influencers out there that would sell their granny for a fiver (laughs) and I'm sorry I know that's quite a like (laughs) that sounds like quite harsh but it's so true and I just I just really don't believe in it like I I don't think it's fair and I think there's so many women who've spent money especially now that makeup is so popular and skincare is so popular, spent money and wasted money that they haven't had to waste. And I just can't be part of that. No matter how successful I get, I don't come from anything. I really don't come from a wealthy background. And I've always had to work really hard for everything I've had. I've always had a job. I've always had to really like provide for myself and look after myself. And there's that's the reality for most women. Not everyone has, you know, Chanel bags and I think that's one of the reasons why I really love working with like luxury and mass brands because it's like well if L'Oreal can do the same job as 
a Chanel lipstick, I'm going to recommend it to you. But if $100 on Estee Lauder is worth it, I'll also tell you this is worth your time and money. So yeah, it's just something I can't be part of. But I think what also needs to happen from a viewership side of things, we need to take responsibility as women for who we trust. And well, and men as well, of course, in the industry. But you cannot be mad if you're buying products from somebody that you know is just working with everyone or would just promote all these like skinny teas and all that stuff. And you, you need to do your research as well. It's your own money. You're investing your own money. You need to be very mindful that you're doing your research on more than one blogger, making sure it's right for your skin, your color matching, whatever it is, and making sure that the people you follow, you trust. So that was my point in my Instagram story. It was like, I had mentioned a few products in my Instagram story and people were like, oh, was that sponsored? And it's, it's quite frustrating because for somebody like me, whether it's sponsored or not, my opinion just does not change. And to say, no, 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 that wasn't sponsored. I just actually really like it. It feels wrong to say that too, because I like the things I'm sponsored for too. So in my story, my Instagram story, I was just kind of saying, like, if you don't trust me, that's okay. Then don't follow me. I do not want to force anyone to trust me. But that trust is in your hands. So we need to take back control of who we trust and whose opinions we're listening to. That's such a great perspective. And yeah. I have to say, I do think that everything, like you said, that you do see some YouTubers or influencers popping up with lots of different products. But whatever you recommend, I do think that that genuine and authenticity really does come across. Well, thank you. I try so hard. And I think in a world where like these skinny teas and everything are happening, that was an era that actually I found really difficult because that was like the original people who, the the original brands that started putting money into influencers weren't necessarily these big brands that we really love. They were the skinny teas, the new kind of up and coming brands of like teeth whitening and stuff. And I turned down so much money at times when I really, really needed money because the skinny teas are basically laxatives and it's not healthy and my chronic illness is based on my digestive system and that could actually trigger some serious chronic illness um, flare-ups for me. And I just couldn't do that to other girls, like make them think that drinking a laxative tea was the right thing to do and I needed the money so bad and I just, I turned it down because it wasn't right. And I think a lot of people don't turn it down because they need the money. And I can understand the, the financial pressures and struggles of influencers. Like, I get that. But I, what I have learned is that when you say no, you get it back kind of tenfold in the end. And when you say no to the wrong brands, the right brands respect you more too. Well, obviously your followers and viewers agree because you've had over 8 million video views. You've got over 150,000 subscribers on YouTube and that's not even beginning to count your Instagram and Twitter followers. I love you on Twitter, by the way. Twitter is my <laughs> new home. Like I just am like living my best life over there. <laughs> my crazy cat lady thoughts. <laughs> did you ever expect when you started, wrote the first blog post or did your first video that you could end up in the position you are now? Never, never, never. I still find it really overwhelming. I still find it really, I find a lot of pressure from it actually because I always want to do the right thing, but I'm only human as well. And when so many people follow you or are expecting you to deliver on in certain areas when you're going through something in your life maybe and you don't have as much time it's all a bit much but I just because I'm just a normal girl like I'm legit just a crazy cat lady like who likes makeup I just I don't there's nothing special about me that anybody else can't do or have I don't think I'm I look any different than other girls I think 
what I do is very achievable. It's just my opinion, though. Like, it's just what I like is what I like. And I just don't know why anyone would follow me. Like, I know, I know I'm a nice person and I, I like my makeup skills and stuff, obviously. But I think it's very hard to look in the mirror and be like, yes, you're you're going to get all these followers. Like, I've never, ever thought about it that way. I've never thought of myself as like, um, it's really hard to talk about, actually. It's still, I still don't get it. And you still look at the numbers and you, they don't register. I think the only times that they really register is when I do a Q&A or something and people have lots of comments or you do a video and you talk about something personal and it really resonates with people. And you're like, wow, this is actually impacting people. This isn't really about makeup at all. This is actually, I'm in people's bedrooms on their screen. I'm on their bus trip to work. I'm a friend to them. I'm a, a confidant. Like it's, it's, it's a really privileged, wonderful position. And I just, I still don't get it. It's a, it's a dream. Yeah. Well, obviously you worked very hard to be where you are. <laughs> of course. But it, it's, I suppose it's that idea of community. It's not just you, that one way conversation of you sh- this is a great mascara. It is particularly with the, inclusion of social media which has grown in your in your career Mm -hmm. it's about that two-way conversation yes and I think it's it's funny to you you start off talking about makeup but it's never actually really about makeup and I think that's what's always so shocking to me is that you can follow anyone for a smoky eye tutorial but people actually follow you because they like you and they like your life experience or they like your opinion they like what you have to say about certain topics and the makeup is just kind of an extension of of that and yeah, it, it's really weird. It's cool, though. I like it. <laughs> and I think off the back of that starts as makeup with a lot of YouTubers and influence for seeing it becomes more people become invested in, in you and your lifestyle and your life, which is amazing. But I think on the flip side of that, I mean, there's also the pressure to share all those aspects. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like how do you deal with that personal investment in your life, particularly with personal things like if you've got personal things going on which means that you can't make videos or whatever do you feel compelled that you have to give a reason why yeah I I think it's really hard to always put on a professional front when you're going through real things when you're a youtuber because it's not like you're a tv presenter or something where you're presenting for a show you're presenting for yourself so I think there is a level of not being able to hide anything and having to be really honest with your audience but I think it's important to know also where to draw the line for yourself so I I used to feel so much more pressure from it years ago whereas now I'm kind of like I'll share what I want to share and I'll share what is appropriate to share when I'm ready to share it and I think my audience really respect that from me I've been very candid about some quite serious things in my life and they've really respected that and I think at times when I haven't been able to be consistent and at times when I haven't been able to deliver, just letting them know that I'm human and that I'm going through something. They haven't actually ganged up on me and been like, you're lazy. You know, they they really have been like, wow, take all the time you need. That's that's pretty tough. So there's a lot of pressure and I get a lot of questions about things that I'm not ready to share or even when they're really interested in your dating life. (laughs) And I'm just like, like I was recently dating someone and I just decided the relationship wasn't for me. And yeah, they noticed they noticed and you're just like you're not dating him anymore I'm like wow they really don't miss a trick and even my flatmate was like they don't miss anything and somebody asked in my Q&A do I still keep in touch with my ex from who I moved to Australia with and we've been broken up for years now and it's just like wow they they really are invested in your life and you and people love my cat like people ask I'll go to even events and other bloggers are like oh my god I love your cat and I'm just like wow it's just it's 
you forget that it's it's just so much bigger than just a makeup tutorial but I try not to put pressure on myself I try and just be candid and be real and be authentic and say you know I'm struggling with something or just being real we're all human at the end of the day and I think that's what separates us from tv it's like it's a real person living their real life (laughs) and I think particularly with relationships it's interesting because you see it from anyone in the public eye whether it's celebrities or youtubers or whatever that you know you just have to have like a selfie with with a male and it's the speculation starts and yeah. then you know you see people having or choosing to bring out like breakup videos talking about things like I just just the pressure do you ever have you ever shared anything that you've regretted no I I'm not big on regrets because I think everything I've ever done has led me to where I am I think I'm really lucky that I came into the YouTube game older I'm 30 so a lot of the girls that I know started YouTube and they were like 17 so I already had a bit of life experience behind me to know that certain things weren't appropriate and I know a lot of people now that they're in their 20s they're like oh why did I do that whereas my I've changed so much since I started YouTube but I don't think think it's as drastic as changing from a teenager to a woman I've just gone from like a woman to a more mature woman who makes better choices so I think there's times when I felt pressured to overshare and get amongst all of the, you know, YouTube uh, oversharing kind of stuff. And I've just been like, no, it just doesn't feel right for my age group, my age bracket. The only things I've shared have been like, I've had my ex-boyfriend in a few videos and that was, I don't regret that. He was a big part of my life and he was a nice guy and still don't really have anything bad to say about him. You know, it's the video still up. People can still enjoy it if they want. And I've shared about depression and anxiety. And to this day, those are still videos that I get comments on every single day from everyone from 12 year old girls to grown ass men. And yes, I'm not that person anymore, but whatever information I shared is still helping people. I'm so cool for that to still be on the internet because that's got a reason and a place to be there if it's reaching someone at the right time and the right day in their life. The fourth product on your list is a perfume that reminds you of a special time or place and you mentioned getting back to music about a perfume that reminds you of festivals. Yes I'm huge on smells I'm the type of person who could be walking down the street and be like I smell my best friend like somebody's (laughs) wearing her perfume I'm or this smells like my grandmother's house or you know I'm really big on smells so when a smell is attached to a really good memory I always really enjoy it and Um, when we went to I went to Splendor in the Grass with Rimmel two years in a row and the first year they gave us a Marc Jacobs perfume um, Daisy it's a nice like fresh kind of youthful one and we were all wearing it because it was gifted to us at the event and we were all wearing it all week and every time I smell that now I kind of get like oh that was such a fun girly weekend and it's a brand I loved working with and I get along so well with their team and even the bloggers and it's just such a fun lovely memory and we saw some great music music is you know again something whether it's music or smell like everything is so nostalgic to me and it strikes a memory so it was just like a nice combination of music memory and smell memory and then the second year we went they um gifted us another version of the Marc Jacobs so similar but different so it's like ooh, there's a smell for each year and I don't know I just really enjoy when I spray it and I'm like ooh, splendor <laughs> I love the idea of assigning a specific perfume to a special event like I do yes. it for holidays like yes. I always have a perfume for that holiday apparently women do it for weddings I'm not a huge wedding person I think I don't know much about weddings it's never been like a huge thing of mine but apparently people do it for their wedding and stuff and their honeymoon that's such a lovely idea that every time you spray you know your Chanel or whatever you're like oh that's my wedding day that's so cute we talk about splendor and I know that you also met Rihanna oh my ago. god What's been like the biggest pinch me moment for you in terms of the opportunities that you've had? Rihanna was definitely one recently, 
more so because like we got along really well <laughs> I was just I've I've spent a lot of my career wondering if I'm being too much of myself and I think even just as women we're, we're we spend a lot of time wondering do I need to rein back in certain areas of my personality um but you're always going to be too much of something for everyone so I often find when I meet celebrities or I meet people in the industry I shy away a little bit because I'm almost afraid to be myself but when I met Rihanna I'm I was at a place in my life and still am it's a really good place the last few years um where I'm really comfortable with my weirdness and I'm really comfortable with like my dorkiness or you know my loudness or whatever it is and it's a really nice place to be in so when I met Rihanna it was one of the first people who I really felt like not that I would ever be fake it's not about being fake but it's about being scared kind of but I really presented myself as myself to her and she lapped it up and loved it so when she came up to me we were at the Fenty anniversary event and I was lucky enough to be sitting down getting my makeup touched up when she wanted to come over and actually touch me up as well oh that sounds a bit weird no touch up my highlighter that's all she's lovely <laughs> she didn't she didn't do anything inappropriate so she wanted to highlight me and stuff and when she came over she was like oh my god you're so pretty and I was like oh my god Rihanna thinks I'm pretty this is like the best day of my life and I just I just in me I wanted to treat her she's 30 as well she's very similar age to me I followed her since she was like 17 with Pondery play or whatever and um, I just wanted to be like really real with her and I was like look I did not think and I was just going like I'm gonna say what's in my head because we we so often don't do that and I just said to her I was like when I was slut trapping to ponder replay when I was 17 I never thought you'd be here doing my makeup and she was like and, and then I was like oh, why did I say that oh. but she was instantly like oh my god I was 17 when I made that I'm 32 oh my god did you turn 30 this year and it was just like this instant like yes girlfriend and we high-fived and she was like yes oh those were the slut dropping years and we just had this instant lovely like normal conversation and a lull you know and it was just like really refreshing and it was a really nice moment to be like oh being myself is okay and she actually really enjoyed me being myself and being silly and dorky and yeah it was really lovely I've had some amazing pinch me moments in my career but that was just a really nice one recently that was like oh wow like she's just human as well and we're all dorks and we're all like we were all slut dropping when we were 17. (laughs) It's also interesting because there's that idea of you should never kind of meet your heroes so it's always nice and I imagine that that can almost be the most nerve-wracking thing about meeting someone you admire if they don't live up to what you've kind of imagined that they'll be like in your head. Yeah it's something I always worry about yeah I used to worry about it so much when I was younger like I because I've always been super inspired by musicians and stuff and I always used to find musicians before they came out, like Ed Sheeran. So then when he got really big, I was like, oh, I hope he's not an asshole. I really hope he's nice. But then when you hear nice stories about them, it's lovely. And I used to work for a designer shoe company in London. So I met a lot of celebrities there. And it was often actually celebrities are quite nice. It's more people who were born into money and royalty that are quite rude. So I met Beyonce and she was adorable. She was lovely. She called me sugar. And I was getting her shoes. I was like, oh my God, she's so lovely. What do you think is the biggest misconception about your job? I think people assume that when you create content of yourself, you're super duper confident and probably quite narcissistic and really into yourself. But I think people forget that you're just sitting at home alone in front of a camera. If anything, there are more socially awkward, insecure people in social media. Everybody that I know that's not in social media is much more confident than the people I know in social media. So yes, we have pictures up of ourselves and and yes, we put ourselves out there, but it's just us and a camera. I think 
people who are maybe musicians on stage or models and are in front of crowds, they think we're going to be like that, you know, have that level of confidence and self-assurance. But actually, a lot of people who work in social media are actually quite socially awkward and struggle with social anxiety and isolation as well from just working from home by yourself and a lot of self-esteem issues as well because you start to believe that your self-worth is based on what you have to offer with your looks. So yeah, you'd be surprised at how many people are lacking confidence in the industry. And it's sad. I always try to make sure like me and my girlfriends that work in the industry really are like just being like queen, like, you know, you're doing so well and making sure that we're checking in on each other's mental health and not just complimenting each other's bodies, you know, or faces. Yeah, I think it actually is quite interesting how long it took for people to realize that people run their own Instagram accounts. Because when it first started YouTube and everything, I remember hearing one person saying that they commented on one of the earlier popular makeup YouTubers videos. And everyone was laughing about this comment because the comment was like, I've emailed YouTube so many times. I want somebody to come to my house and film for me. Like, I really want to be a makeup YouTuber, but nobody will get back to me. They didn't understand that this was actually self-produced, that the only person behind the camera and behind the comments and behind the accounts in those days. Now, obviously the big, huge YouTubers now have teams, but there was nobody else. And even then when they started finding other bloggers, I would have people be like, what's she wearing? And I'm like, I'm wearing this. Like it's literally me in my pajamas writing back to you. Or when I check my comments on YouTube, there's nobody else doing that for me. And then people had the misconception that maybe when we got managers that they did it for us or our managers would tell us to uh, curate things in a certain way or take something down. No, like it, it was all us. And I do think that's interesting as well in terms of when you have a manager, how does that relationship work? Is it just kind of they take, because obviously it's like running your own business. You're looking after accounts, the partnerships and things. Does that then free you up to be just focus more on the creative stuff? Yeah, so I think getting a manager usually happens. Again, it, everything's changing now, but when I originally got management, it was because people had started to offer me money. And I think, because when I first started, there was years without making money. Um, it was all just a hobby. But then when people start asking you for content and as a creator, you need to be compensated for that time and that skill, it's really hard to have conversations with brands yourself because you always underestimate your worth and they always try and also give less money than they need to because they're working with budgets and stuff. It's just good business, you know? So it can sometimes, well, it used to, again, the, the industry is very different, but I just found that when I was, I was in this world that I knew nothing about, there were no rules, there were no regulations, there was no guidebook. There still isn't, but it was definitely much harder back then that I just, people would ask me to do something and I'd be like I have no idea what this is worth I have no idea what I'm worth and I think it's getting a manager is when you need someone to start having difficult conversations for you so it can be weird if um, you're talking to a PR company and they're like we'll give you a hundred dollars for this post and it's actually the level of content they want produced is probably worth a few thousand so it's been really lovely to have someone have those difficult conversations for me in a professional way that doesn't damage my relationship with PR because I've always been really the front of my brand when I first started I was super vocal and super in touch with all of the PR I was always like emailing and having coffees with them I had great relationships with so many brands but it just got really difficult then to maintain those relationships without little bit sticky bits, you know, awkward bits where they don't have the budget and you also don't have the time. And uh, yeah, so my managers have been 
excellent at just taking that pressure off me and taking the business side of things so I can focus on being creative. The fifth product on your list is the product that you always repurchase, which you've said are the Benefit Brow products, which I am also a massive fan. I think Benefit really saw that brow trend coming into the market and although it was already saturated with really good products, just developed their line in a way that was kind of a one-stop shop. And I think that was super clever. And they're always really like fun with their packaging and everything. And I think that resonates with girls a lot when they're getting into makeup, just having it fun. And when you pick it up every day, it's like, ooh, so cute, lovely to use. You know, it's a fun experience. And their their formulas also match. You know, it's not just a gimmick with good marketing or anything. It's really good formulas. So I just find myself veering towards their products all the time they work they've got a great color selection whether it's having warm or cooler undertones whether it's you know light to dark they just really do have a great range and I think also a lot of brands tend to put you in a brow box (laughs) because you know some people like sculpted brows so they'll offer a product for that or some people like cool girl brows and they'll offer a product for that whereas I think Benefit kind of has a product for every type of brow girl. My most used ones would be the Precisely My Brow Pencil. Love that because it's fine enough to create like fake hairs kind of and it also isn't too smudgy or too hard. It's a really nice uh, mixture and then also the 24 hour brow setter. Really good for just making sure your hairs aren't going all over the place. (laughs) One thing you've been talking about on your channels lately is exercise which a lot of people do but I really like what you've done and you've spoken about how exercise for you isn't about how you look it's about how it makes you feel and that's that's why it's something that you kind of really prioritize can you tell me a bit more about that yeah it's it's so funny because I never was sporty I was always into dance and stuff as a kid and I really struggled with weight issues as a kid like I I just never had a good self body image as a teenager and my weight fluctuated a lot and I would do unhealthy things to lose weight and I could never understand how someone could have a healthy lifestyle and enjoy it I just always, whether it was what was being fed to us in magazines back then, which was really quite bad, it wasn't as policed as it is now. Even the the public police people now, and they say the wrong thing in advertising campaigns, you know. But back then it was all the Paris Hiltons and everything were so thin and there was no room for curves or boobs or anything. And I just, the idea of working out or doing sport, gyms didn't really exist when I was a teenager in terms of it wasn't a a popular thing. So it was either you were a sporty girl in school or you just had to reduce your calorie intake to lose weight. That's, you thought those were your options. So as I got older, my weight fluctuated quite a lot as well. And I saw people getting into fitness and I could just never see it to be something I wanted to do and I know now that it's because it was always about being skinny it was always about being skinny it was I did an hour on the treadmill and I'm still fat even though I was never fat (laughs) it was oh but I ate lettuce for a week I'm still fat it was never actually about how anything was making me feel and I had a bit of a revelation after after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend and I was trying to find myself over the last like maybe two years I was trying to figure out where I was going wrong with how I was feeling and just doing a lot of internal work it sounds very deep (laughs) but I just I knew that I had to change it wasn't anything really around me in my life that was wrong but my self-talk and how I speak to myself and how I view myself was so so distorted and probably in the realm of body dysmorphia to be perfectly honest because I would think I was huge when I was a size 10 like it was ridiculous I was just torturing myself every day thinking I wasn't good enough and yeah as I was saying after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend and I was trying to really work on myself I decided to give the fitness thing a go and I decided not to weigh myself because I think again now there's so much more information out there but weight loss whether it was Weight Watchers or any of those programs 
it always was based on numbers. It was always based on this is the number of calories. This is the number of points. This is how much you need to lose weight. We were never taught that losing fat and gaining muscle was a thing. And I would always wonder why one of my friends who was super sporty in school was so much heavier than me. She was like two stone heavier than me. Well, I don't know what that is in kgs. I'm so bad. But it was because she was so muscly and I didn't know what that meant back then. And I I just decided to go into my fitness journey really timidly and just start off with baby steps, not weigh myself. And I started off just wanting to regain energy and wanting to have a place that I left my house for every day because when you work at home, it's quite hard. Have a little sanctuary that I went to. I wasn't going there to get skinny. I was going there for the routine of it and to feel good. So I started off by just doing little cardio sessions and I would stretch in the bathroom because I was so shy. And I know that seems so silly now because I love my gym and I'm like super confident to just go in there and do what I have to do. But I was so, so shy and I would just do like 15 minutes in the cross trainer and just be like, that was, I did something good for my body today. I, I'm not going to go home and go, oh, I'm not skinny yet or weigh myself at the end of the week and say, oh, you know, I'm not X, Y, Z size or whatever. And gradually over the course of maybe the last, I think it must be about 18 months now, I just started to gradually increase what I was doing. I started to feel the endorphins. It, it was when I lifted weights, I, I got this like feeling of euphoria. I know it sounds quite dramatic, but I just felt really good and really confident. And there's something about feeling strong. I was never strong. I was always a weakling. <laughs> and feeling strong and feeling healthy was just so much more than being skinny. I was starting to get my confidence was rising even though my size wasn't necessarily dropping because I didn't really change my diet food is quite hard for me I wasn't changing my diet I was just being more active so I wasn't dropping heaps of weight but I was feeling a lot better from the inside out and then when I started feeling better it it was all a gradual process it wasn't like an overnight thing it was like when I started feeling better I was like well I went to the gym today I'm going to make a better food choice it wasn't okay well if I'm going to the gym it's chicken and broccoli it was like everything was happening naturally I was lifting weights. Wow, I'm so hungry. I need to really fuel my body. It was like really listening to myself and it wasn't taking any information from anywhere other than what my body was telling me. And I started getting hungry for good food. My body was telling me to fuel myself with the right thing. And my body was telling me, oh, actually having, you know, extra wines on the weekend makes you feel bad and it was just all about feeling I took skinny out of the equation made it about how I felt and I changed my why my why had always been I'm not good enough and I want to be skinny and now my why is I just feel so good when I go to the gym I it gives me so much energy it makes me feel so positive I can walk into the gym with 10 problems in my mind and walk out of the gym feeling powerful and like I can take all of those problems on I think that's so inspiring to hear I'm kind of at the very early stages of that with me it's been swimming I I grew up in the UK was never a strong swimmer like Mm -hmm. never been up like past my knees in the sea kind of thing but it still scares me when I see people swim in the ocean I'm like you're so brave (laughs) because we just don't do that back home do we it's just about the routine of going and my body hasn't changed but how I see my body has changed just from the act of making a routine and it's finding something you enjoy doing as well I really a lot of people are asking me oh share your workouts and share your fitness routines sometimes I go to the gym and all I will do that day is do a really big stretch I'm really into flexibility it's cured a lot of uh, chronic pain in my body so I stretch every single day and I love stretching I really enjoy the process of stretching it feels really good and helps me sleep better and everything but on my like I don't go and lift mad weights every day and have this really strict routine some days I go and I'm like I'm going to watch Dr. Phil while I'm on the bike. Oh my God, I love watching Dr. Phil at the gym. It's my favorite thing. Like it's my obsession. And I'll have a big stretch. 
I did not need to go and absolutely bust myself that day. I still might end up doing about 10, 5, 10K on the bike, but I haven't crazy pushed myself if I'm tired. But I've still done something really positive and good for my body, and I enjoy that. Finding the thing you enjoy, if it's swimming, if it's dancing, if it's walking, if it's... Some people are now getting into fitness because they like doing handstands and stuff, and it's more about, like, the acrobats and the fun, and like you said, remembering to play. I I just don't agree with this super rigid process of the 12-week program, and you can't stray... It has to be something that you gradually learn to enjoy and you build your own fitness lifestyle. It's not like uh, something you do for 12 weeks and then you give it up. It's like, I'm a swimmer now. It's not about being skinny. I like to swim. It, it takes just the weight out of the equation. That's super exciting. You're going to be like doing laps around the beaches soon. <laughs> I'm still in the slow lane, but I did one day in the medium speed lane and I was like, look at me. And that's the thing is the confidence it gives you. Like one of the first days I lifted weights and in the big boy area, because I used to lift weights in like the quiet girly area. And I was like, no, I need the big boy weights now. The, the little girly weights aren't good enough for me. And I just was like, I did that. And I looked like I belonged there. The sixth product on your list is sheet masks, which I feel like they've just, in terms of popularity, just skyrocketed over the last year or two. Blown up, yeah. What, um, what is it about them that you like and is there a particular one at the moment that you're loving? I think for sheet masks, it's kind of, it's like a little skintertainment factor. Sometimes you put on a mask and you're just, you don't even notice it's on. But with a sheet mask, you kind of have to sit down and put your head back and, you know, my flatmate or my boyfriend would walk in and be like, oh, you look scary. You know, you look like a serial killer or whatever. Yeah, it, it's fun to do, but it also has, it feels good in the sense that like you can put the mask in the fridge and it's really cooling. I feel like it's something you can do a lot and it's not going to over stimulate the skin like a lot of clay masks and stuff can like you can never just really do too many sheet masks you could do one every day and it's like so good for the skin whether it's after the sun or you're just tired you can do them on the plane and look like that crazy lady like it's just so fun I'm really loving I think for a while there was before they got really popular it was quite expensive to get sheet masks and a lot of people were getting them from Korea and stuff but now they're just there are mass brands doing them some of them not doing them so well but Neutrogena have really nailed them they're really 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 good I love 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 their sheet masks they've got like lots of different types and I just think they've really nailed like the price point and the formula matching and if you want to be like a little bit bougie Estee Lauder have a night repair one that's expensive is that the foil one or is that yes yeah and it's basically like putting the Estee Lauder serum on your face but like the whole bottle like it's it's a treat again maybe not for some people that's something they would buy all the time but for me like I'm just a normal girl and I make normal money from YouTube like I have a normal salary so for me it would be a treat to buy that it's really Really, really good and also I think it was Elizabeth Arden I did um, I actually did a sponsorship with them because they brought out this sheet mask that was really interesting it almost felt like it wasn't like that papery sheet feeling it was a real silicone like skin feeling and it was infused with probiotics so it was about the good bacteria and the enzymes and it just felt so good on the skin like your skin would just be glowing after it it was like it just took off this like dead layer off the top and you're like ooh, it's so nice and it was one of the scarier ones also actually recently Charlotte Tilbury have brought out one that's a dry mask I've tried that one I was like I can't tell if it's working but then you feel like a product on your skin and you're like it's so weird and I was like what like this is such a gimmick and it looks so funny because you literally look like a serial killer you have to tie it over your ears because it doesn't have that wetness to stick to your face 
and you're supposed to just like massage it and get it activated nothing feels like it's happening you're like why am I walking around with this mask on my face I look ridiculous but you take it off and something has infused in your skin and you feel softer and brighter and it smells good and you're just like okay sis I see you (laughs) okay Charlotte One post that you shared, I think it was towards the end of last year, that gained real traction and you were kind of the first Australian beauty YouTuber to talk about it, I feel, was the packaging and environmental impact of all these PR packages and kind of you spoke about it. And then I feel like since then, a lot of brands like I see Mecca has brought out some more environmentally friendly packaging, Adore Beauty. Like There's a real movement happening in the beauty space, but not many people had really talked about it until you said that you were going to try and reduce the number of PR packages or, or kind of change the process of which it happens. Did you feel like that was a risky thing to say? And what has been the outcome of it? I think it was actually, it was something that I'd been thinking about for a long time. When I originally started blogging and I started getting product, it was so exciting. And it was also so beneficial because I didn't have the finances to buy all the product that I would want to try for my audience. So I think nowadays there's this weird understanding with audiences that if you've been sent it for free, you have an obligation to like it. I have gotten sent about 90% of what I've been sent. I've never even had a picture of it. Like my whole house has been full and I've never mentioned these things because I didn't believe in them. There is no obligation there unless you have actually discussed with the brand, I'll give you this if you give me this. And I don't like to do that unless it's again something I really, really love. And it's like a nice like contra arrangement. But it got to a point where there was so much and I give away like I throw bags of makeup and skincare at my sisters and my friends like I give away so much and it was taking over my life to a point where I wasn't enjoying my products anymore and I was always my original brand you know that I wasn't even it wasn't even a brand it was just who I was (laughs) now they refer to as a brand and I'm just like that's just the way I was was to curate a makeup bag that I was really excited about and I really loved and it was never one brand based it was always like picking and choosing from all the brands my favorite things but then when you have 100 bronzers all of a sudden you forget which one was your favorite not because it's not good anymore but because you're overwhelmed it's like too much of any good thing is bad whether that's chocolate or wine or anything like no matter how much you enjoy something too much of it is bad and I was just I was losing my love for beauty in how overwhelmed I was and then I would get all these packages and you would have something palm sized in a huge box with all of this bubble wrap and and waste and it just all felt so excessive and also wrong in the fact that my audience might think just because I'm getting it for free that that would change my opinion on something like I would everything I recommend I would spend my own money on realistically when you're reviewing more than the average person has you wouldn't spend your money on that much if that makes sense so having this giant makeup collection that I haven't spent my own physical money on just doesn't make sense because if other women are trying to match that it's not realistic if I didn't do what I do I would only have this curated makeup bag. That's always the way that I've been. So it was just something that was playing on my mind for ages. It was actually like taking some joy from my life as well. Environmentally, this also sucks because we just need to be so mindful. We need to be that generation that is like, no, this is wasteful. Whether it's like getting 20 foundation shades or whether it's just excess packaging, so much plastic, so much. Like every time I get packaged, I'm like, so many trees died for this. And it was holding this one little lip gloss. It's so unnecessary. You could have just handed me that lip gloss. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it was playing in my mind for a while and I decided that I was going to say something. I had heard another YouTuber I look up to from Canada talk about it, Samantha, and her Instagram name is like 
Samantha. It's loads of S's. That's why I was like, Samantha. So she articulated my feelings into words. And I was like, I agree. So I made that choice. And it was definitely risky because I, it's something that's really frustrating me in social media at the moment. Because they think one opinion is a blanket statement. And it's like, I don't want to get PR anymore. So that means you don't appreciate it. You don't want it. You're too good for it. You're this. You only want to be paid. You... you it's not that. It's not a full blanket statement. It's just like, I don't feel like one woman needs this much. I don't like the environmental impact it's having. And I don't want to waste product either. Like this beautiful makeup is being wasted on me because maybe I don't wear purple lipstick and they're sending me 70 shades of purple lipstick. And I, I think it's just about recreating that mindfulness behind what we're doing and not excessively gathering possessions and excessively using plastic and, and paper and forgetting what's actually important and forgetting what we actually enjoy. I did really get scared that the brands would think I was being super ungrateful and stuff, but I'm very lucky like that I have really good relationships with brands and I, they've known me from the start when there was no money to be made and when I was like dying over being sent to lip gloss, you know, they really respect actually that I don't want to waste their time and money either because they put a lot of effort and a lot of time into creating PR packages. And then for that money to be wasted, it's a shame. Like, I just don't like waste in general. So yeah, I think they now respect where they're like, oh, well, if you do, if you only wear nudes, we'll send you the nudes of that range. And do you actually wear liquid lipstick? No? Okay, we'll just send you creamy lipsticks. And it's just like, just so much more effective. And honestly, better on their part, because I'm so much more likely to talk about your product if you're sending me something I like. <laughs> Not just something limited edition that's gone in a week, or, you know, a purple glittery lipstick that just doesn't suit my vibe or whatever it is and yeah I've been really lucky at the response and also I think my audience really appreciated it as well I, I totally understand um that some influencers really 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 need the product and they their careers actually depend on getting the product because they can't afford it and that is I would never judge anyone else for getting PR ever I'm not up on my high horse being like I'm saving the environment not at all that's just my choice and I'm really glad I made it the seventh product in your list is the holy grail product or like your greatest discovery which you said is highlighter highlighter just changed the game for me I grew up in an era of matte makeup you know Avril Lavigne <laughs> as I was saying before and even when I got into makeup one of the first things I learned on YouTube that I hadn't ever heard before even though I was into makeup before YouTube was highlighting whether that was um having a slightly lighter concealer under the eyes not like you know super but it's like a little bit um bringing forward those areas of your face with a lighter color or the shiny you know type of highlighter and the cheekbones and stuff creating that luminosity and that glow I'd never really heard that before I'd never really heard about like that sculpting and defining those areas of your face you know and I just feel like when I discovered highlighter I think my first love was Mac Soft and Gentle such a classic it just really changed how my makeup looked even like I, I no longer look makeupy. It, it brings you back to life it makes your skin look glowing it makes you look healthy I just feel like without my highlighter I feel a bit bleh a bit merp and now oh my goodness I've gotten my flatmate into highlighting now and she's obsessed and we just like yes highlight everything like collarbones shoulders down the legs like whether it's a highlighting kind of oil or whether I actually use my face highlighter on my shoulders and stuff and it just brings together this beautiful like Victoria's Secret glowing beachy healthy look and especially then I like I started with like Mac Soft and Gentle and I have I have a drawer of highlighters it's been one that's been very hard to declutter I'm really struggling with letting go of the shiny things I'm a little magpie but when I discovered the Becca cosmetics formulas they just nobody has done anything like them I think and 
I'm wearing one today even and I put it on like my legs and everything they're just if my whole makeup collection was stolen all my highlighters I would just go to Becca and pick up even one shade and be like I'm cool I'm sweet they're just wonderful and I think they just bring any makeup look to life I think opal and champagne pop are my favorite shades and it's nice to think that champagne pop was made by an influencer as well that's really cool as you mentioned you turned 30 last year yes november (laughs) what do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned or realized i really thought the whole like turning 30 thing was just a bit mad but actually when i turned 30 it was not that anything changed but i kind of changed the way i was feeling it was kind of like i spent all my 20s trying to be somebody and now i'm like i'm 30 i might as well just be myself and it was more of a mindset switch and I know the numbers don't matter whether you're 29 or 49 but there was just something about that number changing to me that just created a like psychological response in my brain and I think I'm kinder to myself these days I'm like I was saying to you about like I how I was with Rihanna even just like I'm I'm kind of okay with who I am I'm always going to be you know too much of something for somebody or not enough of something for someone but that's okay you can't spend your life trying to please people and I love the saying that it's like you could be the ripest peach in the world and somebody won't like peaches and I just feel like I live by that now I'm I'm kind of I kind of really like myself now and not that I have definitely gone through like self-hatred periods in my life I know that sounds a bit dark but we all do you know um have dark times but I just I'm really self-accepting these days and um it's really funny in just after I turned 30 I was diagnosed with ADHD and it was quite life-changing for me because I always, I I had no idea that adults could have it. I was blown away when they told me. Um, I was like, are you sure? That's for like four-year-old boys. But apparently ADHD comes in forms of inattention and daydreaming and stuff, which it kind of actually explained my whole life to me. Why I am the way I am, why I think the way I think, why I obsessed over my looks or why I obsessed over food and weight and why I overthought overthought everything and it's actually the source of my anxiety and depression for my teens and early 20s as well so when I got that diagnosis it was almost like it was in correlation with my turning 30 and it was kind of like wow like I need to stop being so hard on myself I actually I am dealing with some stuff that like psychologically other people don't deal with or neurologically and I'm doing my absolute best like if I have gotten this far in life whilst swimming upstream and not downstream Imagine how well I can do if I just be kinder to myself and take these diagnoses as a really good thing and just be really proud of myself for how far I've come and just own it. I'm very excited for my 30s. I've never felt better. I've never felt like sexier. I've never felt like stronger, my muscularly strong. Like I've never felt better. Yeah, I feel my absolute best right now. That's so lovely to hear. And yeah. even just when you're saying it, like you can just see. Yeah, like you can, I feel it. Yeah. I actually like I smile when I think about it because it's so nice to feel good. So with that feeling and that attitude, what are your plans or, or hopes for 2019? I'm doing a lot of planning right now. I've kind of um, I've been a, a bit lackluster with my videos and stuff for a couple of years because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know what I wanted to do or what direction I wanted to take my career in. But now that I have this passion for wellness and physical health and beauty coming from within as well as from the outside and all of that accumulated, I want to be what my brand is about. And I definitely want to start speaking more about, I always want to talk about beauty, but I want to talk about it in a real girl way. I want to go back to the the makeup bag, the curated makeup bag. I want to go back to, you know, this lipstick isn't going to change you if you're not 
feeling good on the inside like you need to work from the inside out lipstick is a great source of armor it helps us get through the bad days but we need to make sure that we're all looking after each other and giving advice to each other and we're being healthy and we've got great routines in our lives and we're talking about getting rid of toxic people out of our life and makeup is an extension of that then rather than makeup being the forefront it will always be about makeup and feeling good and looking good and looking your best but why are we doing that and I want my brand to go in a direction of really just empowering women and motivating women can't wait to see where that goes your final product on your list is the product that gives you your signature look and kind of perfectly goes hand in hand with the highlighter which is bronzer yes I love bronzing I'm very fair naturally and I think fair skin is beautiful on people but I just have always loved a fake tan glow and just amping up the the glow and the bronze and Bronzer for me, yeah, the bronzer drawer is also really hard to declutter, I must say. But I think when I found like the hourglass bronzers, they like changed my bronzer game as well. The hourglass ambient lighting bronzers. I think my favorites are luminous light and radiant light. They're the different shades. And when you pair that with a bit of highlighter, you just need mascara and lip gloss and you're good to go. You just look healthy. You look like a vision. It's not like that kind of old school bronzer look that we had you know when YouTube started of the kind of muddy cheeks it's this like seamless girl you've been in the sun look and I just yeah if I don't bronze and highlight I feel a bit meh like I just don't look like I've got you know energy to me whereas when the highlight and uh, bronzers on my face I'll catch myself in like a mirror and be like oh of the eight products you've spoken about today if you could pick just one to take with you to Beauty Island which one would you pick? So I'm sending you with bucket loads of sunscreen. So you're being looked after. This is just one to keep you company to play around with or to, to remind you of those memories. Which one would you pick? This is always a hard question because I'm too analytical. I'm always like, I would want water and knives. and you're la, la, la. very yeah. practical with this So question. if you're telling me I have everything I need in terms of like, I'm allowed to bring a, a, a bag of You've got necessities your kit. Yeah. and I don't need like lip balm or sunscreen, you know, like yeah. the basics. I think I would want... I just want to be highlighted like as long as I've got like my skin carry stuff like I'm hydrated I'd be fine and I don't need foundation or anything but I just want like if I'm going to be living on an island I want to do it really glowy <laughs> I just want to be like a Victoria's Secret model on the beach like I'm alone but I look great like love it getting your reflection being like ooh, glowy <laughs> Michelle it has been beyond a pleasure to talk to you today thank you, you so much for your time and your candid conversation and for sharing your stories and products with us. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of Beauty Island. Michelle was an absolute delight to talk to and you may want to keep your eye out later this week for a little bit more from her. As always, you can find all the links to her chosen products and where to follow her in the show notes. I also have a favour to ask. If you like this episode, I would love you to rate and review it. A cheeky five stars and a little written review about why you like the podcast makes such a difference in helping other people find it. And if you're not subscribed already, hit that button to make sure you don't miss an episode, including that mini bonus episode from Michelle I mentioned earlier. Make sure you tell a friend who you think might like this episode or the podcast. I've got so many great guests coming up this season for you to enjoy. I love hearing your thoughts, recommendations or questions about anything we've talked about on this episode. Find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast. 
sign up to my weekly beauty newsletter or send me an email and you'll find all those details in the show notes. Thank you and until next time, bye-bye.